0: Wasn't that a good video? Anyone named Ian here? Um, you know, it's it's. Sometimes I find a video that's that good, and I think, do I really need to preach a sermon? I mean, does anyone want to just call it a day? <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of having one of those days. I was telling the worship team that um, uh, when I was trying to make breakfast for myself this morning, I knew we were all in trouble today. Um, you know, the the toast, the egg, it was too much. It was just too much for me today. Uh You ever have one of those days in the Lord of the Rings, there's a, a line that goes something like, uh, too little butter over too much toast. That's kind of how I feel today. I don't know exactly why. Do you feel that way sometimes? Um, I was out at Camp Segi yesterday. Um Camp Segi was having a work day, so a number of people from many churches were there, and I didn't work that hard, but I'm going to blame it on that as why I'm feeling a little off today. Well, you know, that's okay because it's not about me anyway. And it's a day like this when I'm especially glad to be able to talk about a message that says it's not about me. It's not about you, but it involves all of us and we get to be part of something really good. And so that's what we're going to look at. We've been doing a series called Entrusted where uh, we've been looking at things that God has given us to take care of, to use, to multiply, to make the most of. And what we've seen is it's, it's not for our own benefit, although we do enjoy good things in the midst of that. God gives us so many things for the benefit of others, for his purposes in the world. And so we've been looking at a number of them. Now, today we're going to look at good news. We're going to look at what you saw as the sort of theme of that video, good news. And we've been entrusted with good news. Does the story of Jesus feel like good news to you? Is it something that you share as good news? Have you ever had um, one of those like incredible moments? You're still taller than me. (laughs) I hate to keep bringing that up, but it's pretty obvious. Uh, you ever have one of those moments where you find like an amazing sale? It's like 75, 80% off of something. And it's like, you just start like calling all your friends and saying, Hey, or you know, you ever had someone in your life who calls you whenever the tomatoes are especially fresh and red at the grocery store? You, you know, or, or somebody that just something happens in their life, something totally unexpected that's just beautiful. You know, what happens? You want to share that good news. And when someone shares good news with you, you know, most of the time our reaction is, even if it's not something that's good news for us, it's for them, it's, we're happy for them that that's good news. Does the story of Jesus feel like good news for you? Is the story of Jesus good news for the world? The answer is yes, but are we sharing it, as we saw in that video? Are we sharing it in a way that it's being received as good news? That people are able to recognize it as good news? So we're going to look at that. You know, the gospel of Jesus It's so all-encompassing that it's hard, actually, to kind of summarize it into just one simple phrase because it's so much more. It's about a person. It's about a story. And if I was was going to ask you to tell me about one of your kids or the person that you dated or married or if I was going to ask you to tell me about someone that you work with, it would probably take some time, wouldn't it? hard to summarize a person or something and especially when someone as important as Jesus that's as all-encompassing as Jesus, it's hard to summarize that in just a simple catchy phrase. but it's still important for us to begin to recognize what the good news is. You know let's think about bad news for a moment. You think about the pandemic and how that has affected just every aspect of our lives for the past two years. The bad news could simply be said as bad news. There is an illness that's going around that is going to affect everybody. Well, that's the bad news in a nutshell, isn't it? But you start asking all the questions of what's that mean? What are the implications of that? And it starts to get very complicated very quickly. You think about all the rules and regulations we've had just to be able to attend church or work or school. Very quickly, the implications of that bad news that is told so simply become very complex. The same is true in a much better way with the good news. It's hard to explain all the implications of the gospel because it's so big and it encompasses absolutely everything in the world. And yet it's all focused in the person of Jesus. So the good news, if we were to try to say it very broadly, very simply, might be something like, the true king has defeated death and made the way to life, making all things new. Don't ask me to say that again. The true king has defeated death, making way to life, and making all things new. I didn't say it exactly the same, but go back in the auto tape if you need to listen to it again. I can't! <laughs> <laughs> but the true king is Jesus, which is good news because there's a lot of false kings in our world. Sometimes it's you and me that are the false kings. But there's a true king. And the true king has defeated death. If you think about the worst possible enemy that we have as human beings, it's death. And we experience death in all its friends and all its forms throughout the world in many different ways. But the greatest is death. And he has defeated death. And he's made a new way. He's making all things new in the process. That's good news. And the implications of that are huge. They're massive. It'll take us a lifetime to understand fully. And even then, we won't experience it all until glory. But the implications of that good news are incredible. We're going to begin to learn how to tell that story a little more specifically as we go. But we want to to know that good news and we want to experience that good news in our lives. We've been entrusted with that news and it's good for us and for the whole world. So let me take you to a couple of verses. The first one uh, is this. In 1 Thessalonians 2 4, the apostle Paul is writing and he's describing his own calling. He says, We speak as messengers. Approved by God to be entrusted with the good. So we've been entrusted with the good news. Now, the word I want you to picture, there's two images that I'm going to give you, and this is the first one. This is the image of a messenger. Now, you know, you think about this back in the day. There's no email. There's no cell phones. There's no texting. There's no, you know, there's very limited forms of communication in terms of what we experience today. So most messages, if they were being transported over any distance, would require a messenger to go. It wasn't like Canada Post. You put a stamp on a scroll, okay? You probably are going to take someone personally, give them a scroll or some message, or tell them the message, and you're going to pay them to hand deliver it on your behalf. Messages that were delivered, especially at the end of a battle, were extremely important. Some of you might know the story uh, of, of the original marathon where uh, a messenger ran all the way from marathon uh, to Athens, I think it was and he had a message to say and, and he he ran the whole entire distance this was such important news and when he gets there he says one sentence and then he dies so that's why I've never run a marathon um, <laughs> but he says, you know joy to you joy to you uh, defeated uh, we defeated them so good news right this is good news it was important who you picked to be the messenger you don't want someone who's going to get the message wrong right because if you're going to pay them a lot of money and it's going to take a lot of time it's important to get the right messenger they can't get it wrong they can't change it they can't get there and say oh i came all this way and i forgot like how foolish would that be right so what what we are told here is we're given this image of a messenger we're entrusted with something that's really important, really, really important. And we're entrusted with a message that needs to be shared. It needs to be given out, and it needs to be taken care of. It needs to be shared, all of that. So the first image I want, to ha- I want you to have in your mind as we think about the good news is that you are a messenger. You've been entrusted with a, an incredible message. And let's, let's go another step into another, uh, verse that gives us another image to frame some of this. This is now in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. And I'm going to spend most of the rest of our time in 2 Corinthians 4. Um, and this, this image is going to really inform some of that for us. But, um, this is again Paul. And Paul says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So now what he's talking about here is we have this incredible good news, this treasure, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. It's a treasure. And last week we talked about how when we follow Jesus, we have a new kind of treasure. And money, it just pales in comparison. We have a new kind of treasure in Jesus. We have this good news. But you know what? It's it's contained in a jar of clay. It's not about us. We're just a jar of clay. We're a simple, humble, ordinary jar. The whole deal is the treasure that's hidden inside. Now, if you were, um, you know, gonna hide a key in front of your house, where are you gonna hide it? You're gonna hide it under a rock. You're gonna hide it under the mat. You're gonna hide it away in something that looks ordinary, aren't you? You don't want someone to find that key and get into your house unexpectedly. If you have a treasure in the ancient world, where are you gonna hide it? You're gonna hide it in something that looks ordinary. You're going to hide it in a simple jar so that if a thief comes into your home, they can't steal it. Now here, the point isn't that we are supposed to hide away this treasure and never let anyone see it. That's not the point. It's that we're supposed to protect it, to honor it, to treasure that treasure. And that we honor it and protect it and recognize that we're just like the envelope that contains the message. It's not about us. You know, what happens? How many of you save envelopes after you get mail? It's not about the envelope. It's not about the brown box that comes from that online order that you made late at night. It's about what's inside. And here the message that Paul is saying is, you have great news, you have really good news. It's not about you, it's not about me, it's about that news. And we as messengers have an incredible treasure that we need to deliver. We need to take care of it, we need to protect it. We need to make sure that it's safe. We need to make sure that it's given out. So keep in your mind as we go through today, The image of a messenger that will run at a great distance and bear an incredible message, even if it costs uh, some suffering along the way. And the idea of that we're just simply the jar that contains a great treasure, contains this good news. Well, let's get into some of this here. Um, The thing that we want to recognize is the good news is about Jesus. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. So if you were to run that long distance, what's the first thing you're going to say? Well, the message is going to be about Jesus. Let's look at what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 4. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord. That means he's the true king. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Now, here's that verse again in a little bit more context. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. So it's not about us. It's not about us having some incredible message, and so we are somehow better and greater and all of that as a result. It's not about drawing attention to ourselves. It's about drawing attention to Jesus. The message, the preaching is all about Jesus. Now, you might say, well, I'm not a preacher. That's fine. The point is you are a messenger. And what is it that you go around delivering a message about? Well, it's not about yourself. It's not about yourself. It's not about our church, even. And I've sometimes heard churches getting all excited about how they're the best church or something. It's like, well, you're kind of missing the mark here, because what's the message that we want to brand? We We want to brand Jesus. We want to talk about Jesus. We don't want to talk about ourselves. So when we deliver groceries or something to the school, we're not saying, hey, like, You know, we're Cornerstone Baptist Church. We're an amazing church that people should come to. We're saying, hey, we're here because of Jesus. And we're about Jesus. Whether you come to our church or not doesn't matter. We want you to come to Jesus. We want you to see the goodness of Jesus. We have this light shining. We're just clay jars. We're just clay jars. We've been entrusted with a great treasure that we want to share. And it's good news. So it's not about us. It's about Jesus. Let's go to the next slide here. Now, he goes on to say this in that same chapter. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. It's as simple as that. Why are you a messenger? Well, I'm a messenger because I believe what God said, so that meant I had good news. Because I had good news, I spoke. It's as simple as that. I've received good news myself. and You know, like, once you, you you get that good news about a you know a sale that's on at the store and you've got your item, what good does it do to just sit on that information? Why wouldn't you call all your friends and say, "Hey, those things are eighty percent off. You got to go grab one. You got to go get one of those things, right?" Like you share that news. We continue to preach because I've received it, so I, I told somebody about it. I got the deal, so I I'm sharing the deal with everyone else. We continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. So here Paul is reflecting on what that good news is. He's saying, you know, Jesus, the true king, the one Lord that we're preaching about, he's defeated death. And now we have confidence. There's implications for us as a result. Because he defeated death, we can live in a new way. He's going to raise us as well with Jesus. And we're going to be in the presence of God himself, together with you. So we're going to defeat death as well. And that's going to play out in how we live now. And we're going to be in the presence of God. That means we have a relationship that's been restored with God Himself. We're going to be in the presence of God because of what Jesus has done. And we together are a new kind of community together. We're going to be there with Him together. What Paul is saying, this changes everything in our world because Jesus, the true King, has come and defeated death. We now are going to live in a new way. And one day we're going to see all things made new. So that changes how we live. The implications for that are huge. They're massive. And that's a message that's about Jesus. Jesus, the one who conquered the grave, who rose again. Jesus is alive and so are we now as we follow him in to that life. Today is actually a day that we, we celebrate Pentecost in the church. We probably don't celebrate it enough in Baptist churches. But it's the story of uh, following the, the the Passover, which also marked the death, and then ultimately the resurrection of Jesus. Then there was the next celebration, which was Pentecost, which celebrated originally the giving of the law, except on that Pentecost, it was the giving of the Spirit. And the Spirit is the new power. The power of Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus which means that we can live in a new way. It's not dependent on our own abilities. We're just clay jars. But it's the power of God that's now alive in us because of what Jesus has done, who Jesus is for us. And that's part of that good news story. We're raised to new life by that new life that lives within us, the Spirit of God. And so, you know, we, we receive and embrace this, this good news that we have a new power. We have our true King. We have this new life where death has been defeated and there's this new way that we can live in the rest- restoration of all things. Okay, let's let's keep going here. Um, the next thing we want to focus on is the good news being shared truthfully. Um, yeah, let's do, get into the verse here. 2 Corinthians 4.23, so staying in that chapter, I've shuffled the order a little bit just for the clarity of the flow of things. Um but Paul is reflecting on this message and the preaching of it and the sharing of this good news. And Paul says, We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God, and all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden only from people who are perishing. So If you have the good news that there was a sale on, you know, at the superstore. Why would you twist it? Why would you try to manipulate someone? Why would you say, oh, the sale is at Sobey's, right? Why would you lead them astray? What would be the point of that? That wouldn't be delivering good news anymore, would it? Paul's saying here this message is so important that I don't get to be the one to change it. I've been entrusted with a message. I don't get to be the one who says what the message is. I just say the message. I don't get to add something because I think it adds something nice to it. I don't get to water it down because I think it makes it more palatable. I don't get to share just part of the truth. I'm just responsible for sharing the message that was given to me. I'm just responsible for sharing the good news that was given to me. We don't use weird tricks to try to manipulate people to come to church. We don't use weird tricks to try to get people to do something in an emotional moment where they suddenly are told that they're going to burn in hell for all eternity if they don't receive Jesus in this moment. Now there might be some truth in that, but if the manipulation and the emotion is more important than Jesus in that moment, then that's shameful and it's wrong. So we reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the Word of God. We don't say, oh, there's no such thing as sin. We don't say there's no such thing as wrongdoing. We don't water it down to be something that people will you know, like better or it'll fit on a billboard better or it'll fit nicely in some phrase that's popular within our culture. We don't get to change the message. We share the message of Jesus, the story of Jesus, the person of Jesus. And allow people to be confronted with who he is and allow him, the true king, to reveal his reign and what his kingdom is like for people. We don't get to change the story. We don't get to use weird tricks to force people into a box. You know, sometimes I've heard um, I've heard stories of uh, different programs where, you know, homeless people had to sit through a gospel presentation before they could eat and they'd be served a meal. I understand, you know, like, you know, when you're a church, you recognize, hopefully, that there are many different needs that a person has and that food is one of them and the message of the gospel is another. But, The message of the gospel is so all-encompassing that sometimes we need to experience the grace of God first before we can hear it. And I always listen better on a full stomach. I don't know about you. I think we as, as Christians, we need to stop doing these tactics that seem actually kind of manipulative and just show grace and kindness to people in the world and allow them in that to see Jesus. To hear us say those words clearly, yes, but not to have this weird transaction. Because it wasn't about a transaction with Jesus. It was a gift that was just freely given. Now here's the other thing I want to take a moment to comment on. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it's hidden only from people are perishing. Now what he goes on to say here in this passage is how the evil one blinds us to what's going on and what the truth is. The evil one blinds us. He's saying, if people can't see the truth, it's not because we're hiding it, or we're afraid of it, or we're ashamed of it. It's not because we're holding back. It's not a veil that we have uh, created here. If it's hidden behind a veil, it's because the evil one is blinding them to the truth. Now, there's been a lot of news lately. Um, I don't know how many of you are aware of it. Um, but in the Southern Baptists of the United States, there has been a horrible um, uncovering of how abuses of sexual uh, abuse and allegations were hidden by that denomination in the name of not slowing down their mission in the world. If we have to hide our wrongdoing so that Jesus' story can be told, we're doing it wrong. Okay? When there is wrongdoing in the church, it needs to be revealed and uncovered. And Paul is saying, we don't hide anything here. There's no veil here where something is hidden behind the curtain. When something is wrong, we deal with it and bring it into the light. when something is true we don't hold back we share it so if there's anything hidden behind a veil here it's because the evil one is causing blindness not cuz we are holding back yeah let's let's go on Now I'm jumping to a different passage here. Um, it's one we actually looked at at the start of the series. But here, Paul—it's once again the same person—sharing his thoughts to Timothy. Now, it says the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. I thank Jesus Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength to do His work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve Him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted His people. So here's Paul saying, it's not that I've got it all together myself. It's that I'm going to be honest about my story. And I'm going to be honest about how the good news changed my story. And when we see situations where churches, and it's not just the Southern Baptists, it happens all over the place, unfortunately. When we see that churches hold back and lie and cover over the truth of things, good and bad, It actually does a disservice to the story and good news of Jesus rather than allowing it to advance. And so what he says is here, I'm amazed that Jesus entrusted me with his good news. I'm blown away that he's given me strength to do this work, that he's asked me to do it because I was the guy who went around blaspheming him and I'm the guy who persecuted his people. Paul has never tried to hide his story or to say he was better than he was. In in fact, what he says, I'm just a jar of clay. I'm just a lump. Hardly formed, hardly dry. Full of cracks. Unpainted. Unvarnished. What Paul says here is, I'm not going to hide the truth. In fact, that shines a light on the story of Jesus even more. Because if He can take a guy like me who hated Him and who hurt His people and He can turn me around, that means there's hope for anybody. So we need to share this good news truthfully. I think sometimes what happens in churches, we think that if we're an approved messenger who's been entrusted, that means we've got to have it all together. And yes, we need to have integrity with the gospel, but no, that doesn't mean we need to put on a suit and make ourselves look better than we are. In fact, the story of Jesus is all the better if it shines brightly against our darkness and we see how Jesus has transformed a person. Because if we just try to put on a face and put on a mask and make ourselves look good, and if we try to say there's no problems in us or in our church, if we try to say that we're, we've got it all together, the moment that the flaws are revealed, the moment that the problem is discovered, the moment that the truth is uncovered, it all breaks apart and falls to the ground. But if we start the story with saying, I was a mess, and Jesus welcomed me in, and Jesus changed my life, and we're actually telling the story of the good news. So let's be honest with that story. Let's not try to make ourselves look better than we are. Bring your best, yes, but bring your worst. Bring your whole self to Jesus and make that truth known. Share that story of what God's done. You know, as you become a Christian, that story might seem small. It's only been a short time. But as you grow, hopefully you will in time be able to say, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for Jesus. If it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be a drunk somewhere. I'd be living for myself. I'd probably have fathered 25 different kids if I could have made that possible. I'm not necessarily saying this story about myself, but suggesting something that you might say. (laughs) Oh, uh, kind of got awkward there. Um, but do you understand? If you could take an honest evaluation of, if you let yourself be unchecked and unhindered, unfettered, if you never tried to pursue the way of Christ, where would you really go? How far would you take things? Who would you have hurt? Who would you have not helped? What would you have not done? There's all kinds of questions that our mind can begin to play, but as we begin to consider, for those of us who follow Jesus, begin to consider, oh my goodness, I look back on this moment, this moment, this thing that Jesus did. This one time I didn't say that word and he gave me the restraint. That one time he helped me to go to that person and seek their forgiveness. The one time I apologized to them, the one time they came to me and I received their apology. When you start to add up all of those moments and those stories about what Jesus has done in your life and you begin to see where Jesus has brought you to now, that's the good news. That's the story of Jesus changing your life. And that's what other people need to hear. Let's continue on. The good news is for everyone. Everyone. It's not just for a select people, it's not just for a certain race, it's not just for a certain language group. In fact, one of the things we quickly see as the church explodes into growth at Pentecost, it goes from this small group of people suddenly it's being proclaimed, that good news is being proclaimed in all kinds of languages to all kinds of nationalities. The good news is for everyone. Men, women, boys, girls, old people, young people, in that moment of Pentecost, they are all participating in the telling of the good news story. No one is left out of the telling. No one is left out of the receiving. It's good news for everyone. And that's because it has implications for the whole world. So the good news is about Jesus, told truthfully for everyone. So who are the people in your life that need to hear that good news? Who are the people in your life that need to know that somehow Jesus can make a difference in their lives? Let's look at this next verse here. Uh, Again, in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 14, 15. All of this is for your benefit. Paul's talking actually here. He's gone through incredible pain and suffering to share this good news. And he says, all of that is for your benefit. It's obviously not for mine. Like, I'm not getting a lot out of this. I'm suffering. I'm hurting. I'm in pain. But all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be greater thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. We don't share this message because it's for our benefit anymore. We share this message for the benefit of the people that we share it with. For the glory of God, because that's what God wants us to do. We've delivered the message that he asked us to give. So all of this is for your benefit. This is good news for everyone. So who needs to hear it? Uh, let's, the next verse here, again, it's Paul, but he's now in Colossians. But again, we're hearing the one voice of a person. The next slide. Colossians 1.6, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world, is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives from the day that you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. This is good news. And when people receive that good news, when they actually hear that there is a true king, and it's not you, and it's not the powers in this world that seem like they're in charge, there's a true king. And that king has defeated death. He's made a new way for us. He's made a new possibility for us. We don't have to suffer through this and struggle through this anymore. He's made a new way for us, and he's making all things new. That changes people's lives. That changes people's lives. It's changed my life. And I know some of you and some of your stories, and I know it's been changing you as well. And so, just as we come to that point now, Take a moment just to think and reflect. I know it can be hard to tell the gospel. Sometimes you, you, you think, well, I, I know I want to share it, but I don't know how. I feel awkward about it. Think about those conversations you have around coffee with your friends, with your family members. Just think about those moments where you've seen somebody struggling, and just give this simple message about something Jesus did and how that changes something for them. Let's talk about acts of kindness. Jesus came to make sure that everything in the world was, all the needs were met. And that poverty was broken. So, we help make sure that kids get food. That's good news. Or, Jesus comes to show us there's a way of forgiveness that's greater than anything else. And When he's shown me that, it's helped me forgive someone else that I had a hard time with. That's good news. Or Jesus, Jesus did something that helped me realize it wasn't about me. And I stopped living paycheck to paycheck, spending my money on things that were actually kind of destroying my life. Instead, I've learned to be generous with the people around me. He's shown me a better way. That's good news. Or it's Jesus has... Helped me to not make it about myself in relationships. He's shown me a better way. Because he was giving of himself when he went to the cross. So now I I make it not about me. I try to live humbly. I try to serve others. it's making a difference in my life and their lives as well. That's good news. And it's as simple as that. And it's as hard as that. But we begin to simply reflect on all the different implications that go around the world and touch every aspect of our lives, and we just say, Jesus did this, and it's changed this. Jesus did this, and it's done this. And when we begin to learn how to see that story in our own lives and to share it, that spreads. It opens us up, and it frees us up, because we see what Jesus has done to bring us freedom, but it also helps us to tell that story in a way that brings freedom into the lives of others. And we may suffer in that, yes, but we'll know freedom and we'll know life because the true King has defeated death, making a new way and making all things new. And that means that every aspect of this world is being transformed by His power. And when we enter into that story, It is life giving. And it is joyful. So find an Ian. Find an Ian and tell them the good news. Ian was the guy in the video earlier. Um, (laughs) Okay, you're with me. Find an Ian and tell them the good news. Look in your own life closely. And see how Jesus has touched you and changed your life. You have been given an incredible treasure. Will you take that treasure, take care of it, share it, tell it truthfully to the world. So that no one's left out of the story. Not even Ian. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you loved us so much. That in your coming to this earth to be with us, you you taught us, you you showed us a better way, you lived a better way, but then you also demonstrated that incredible love in the giving of yourself at the cross. And you showed us not only an incredible love that was willing to die for us, but you, you showed us that you have a power that is greater than the worst of our enemies, which is death. You broke the power of sin. And You made it possible for us as well to be raised into a new life. You gave us the power of Your Spirit that helped You overcome the grave to to live now. You gave us a, a new way, a new power. And we see how You're making things new in our lives, in this community. And ultimately, You will one day make all things new. So Jesus, help us To recognize and to know your story. To fully embrace it and all of its implications for us as your people. And to tell that good news in a way that sounds good, uniquely to the people around us. So that they would know that and that you would receive the glory. In the wonderful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Uh, We're going to take part in communion now. And we're going to do it the same way we've been doing lately, um, where the worship team is going to do a song. And while the song is being sung, you can sort of make a line towards uh, the communion that's here. It's a double cup. So there's the juice on the top and there's the bread on the bottom. Just take that, a double cup, bring it back to your seat. Once everyone's kind of had a chance to collect that, um, I'll say a few words and then we'll we'll, we'll take part in communion together. But um, just find your way there prayerfully. Um, as we sing this next song.